0: Welcome to the New Money Habits podcast, where we talk about how to create a better plan for your money so you don't have to live paycheck to paycheck. Here are your hosts, Sarah Jones and Nino Villa.
1: Welcome back, budgeteers. Coach Nino Villa here and alongside me, my partner on the airways, as always, it is Sarah Jones. Greetings, Sarah. How are you? And more importantly, where are you?
0: Hello Nino, hello listeners. Um, I am doing very well today, although it is a little bit cloudy here, Um, but we are finding ourselves on the coast uh, in southern Texas, South Padre Island, which is one of our most favorite places to be. Probably the best beaches we've ever been on, um, and I know that's a pretty strong statement, but it really is just beautiful. So we're loving it right now. I'm I'm loving being in this area right now.
1: That sounds amazing. Uh, so Southern Texas, this time of year, I would imagine uh, the weather is very, very nice. I know you like things hot, but here in Arizona, even in this late in the year, it's still hitting triple digits, if you can believe that. And I know you would enjoy that, but I'm looking for the reprieve. <laughs> So I'm guessing you're enjoying temperatures far nicer than ours.
0: Um, Not with the humidity. It feels like 100, (sighs) feels like 103 because of the humidity. So high humidity and dry air, though, I'm telling you, it is different. It is different. I picked the dry heat over the humidity. However... This location really is pretty stunning. So if I have to deal with the humidity to walk a beach every day, I mean, I guess I'll, you know, I'll make that sacrifice.
1: <laughs> and what a sacrifice it is.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Well, I'm excited about today's uh, episode. I'm excited about a little bit of a different format for our listeners uh, and just a, a different experience, if you will. Uh Today we want to bring you guys a specific client case study, uh, and so for our listeners, we're going to do the best we can to uh, help you visualize everything that it is that we're talking about. But we're actually going to be doing some live video sharing as well, and we post all these to YouTube. So. I'd encourage you if you want to see exactly uh, how we go about building a budget uh, based off of a specific client's uh, income, expenses, debt, goals, all of that. Uh, you can head over to YouTube and check check it out. Um, I'm really excited to kind of give our listeners and our viewers a sense of what what are we really talking about when we we talk about sitting down with us and. And working with a financial coach and understanding the uh, the budget to a deeper level than just hey this is my income and these are my expenses that that's really basic we like to go beyond that really help people I know Sarah with you it's looking through the the prism of values so what are your values and how does that show up in your budget you know I'm kind of a numbers geek and it's like let's just crunch the numbers and you better give me the exact dollar amount to the penny (laughs) on what your income is and your expenses are, that sort of thing. And so as we jump into that, uh, I'm just really uh, excited to do that. And then we're going to give you guys uh, each of our perspectives. In this particular episode, I'm going to give Sarah a client that I'm working with, uh, give the background. She would then go through the process of here's what I would focus on and how I would help that person. And then I'll, I'll wrap it up with how I am working with that person and helping. And so hopefully we'll highlight some of the similarities. We'll definitely highlight the differences. And I think Sarah and I will both learn from one another and have some aha moments like, Ooh, well, that would have been a really good question to ask my client. I, that was a missed opportunity. Um, that sort of thing. So looking forward to today's episode. But before we do all that, don't miss out on valuable financial insights. Subscribe to the New Money Habits podcast today and unlock a wealth of knowledge to empower your financial journey. Stay up to date with the latest episodes as Sarah and I discuss practical tips, host expert guests, and have thought-provoking discussions on all things money-related. Hit that subscribe button now to join our community of savvy listeners. And as we said, go over to YouTube and subscribe there too so that you guys can see us in action. All right, Sarah, I'm going to provide you some background information on a client. Um, I know we've already done this a little bit behind the scenes so that you could prepare, but for our listeners' benefit, for our viewers' benefit, let me tell you a little bit about my uh, this client that I recently onboarded. So I'm working with a gentleman uh, and his wife and their two kids. Uh, it's a family of four married with two adult children. So it is a four-income household. Uh, each is contributing to the household. Uh, they have uh, expenses that they share as well. There are debts that are the primary uh, client's debts. And then the goal is to buy a home within about the next 18 To maybe 24 months. That's a high, high level overview of who we're dealing with today.
0: Awesome. I am really looking forward to, um, well, number one, these new segments, but I'm really looking forward to going through this because I think your perspective and my perspective, we're going to have a lot of areas that, you know, kind of mesh or are in full alignment. And I think we're going to have some areas that we do things very differently, but the outcomes are are still positive outcomes, right? And then the the goals that these clients have and these case studies have, ultimately I think the way you do it and the way I do it, we're we're gonna show that this is not linear, right? That there are a lot of ways that you can reach your goals um, by doing things a little bit differently. And um I'm just gonna go through and I'm gonna go ahead and share my screen. So for those of you that are listening, um listen, take some notes. But I'd really encourage you to go back um, and watch this episode or all of these episodes that we do, um, these case studies, because you're going to get some really amazing visuals here. And, you know, I just want to say, first off, uh, I love that the adult children that are living at home are contributing um, to the household expenses. Um, I think that there's nothing wrong with having your adult children live with you, but I do love when um, they contribute to the expenses because there are additional expenses having them live there. So I love that they are contributing. Um, the first absolute first thing I noticed going over all of their numbers, number one, I'm just going to say it does not feel like they are really living. It doesn't feel to me like they are really living because while they have very few um, items in their budget. Um, most of them, I would put into like the essentials categories. There's some debts, and there are a few conveniences. Nothing wrong with conveniences, but there's there's nothing else in there. Nothing that I see, anyways. No investing in who they are becoming. No really doing anything that's really creating memories or or creating community or impact. And in my world, that's really important. Um, So that's the first thing that I noticed is that, and I put it in big letters actually, is they aren't living. They aren't living. Um, And I want to encourage people to live because um, I think when you get so stuck, in my experience working with people, when you get so stuck in only having the bare minimums, um, you feel like you're missing out. You feel like you want to do more, but you're not really able to right? And that's because all of your money is going towards the debts and just your essentials, your non-negotiables. So that's the first thing that stuck out to me. When I put the numbers into my budget worksheet, I also noticed that they are in a deficit um, by about $28 a month. Now, $28 is not significant, but we like that to be in the positive. We don't like to be in a deficit each month. So They are spending more than what um, their income is. Uh, That's a good indication that there are some adjustments that need to be made. When I go through and look at this also, what I tell all of my clients is you have four choices. You can increase your income. You can decrease your spending. You can do both of those things or you can do neither of those things. Because doing neither is still a choice right and i want to bring to light the fact that you have a lot of choices when it comes to your money um so for this um for this case study i'm going to open up a new screen here and just go through some of the changes and adjustments that i would make if i were working with them um one area that i did make some adjustments on i think were the um fuel so um i decreased their fuel consumption by about, um, I think it was about 50, $80, something like that. Um, so from about 450 to 400, um, I know fuel costs are high in different parts of the country. Um, but I think that there might be some ways that to save on fuel costs, right? These aren't essential, but let's, let's, um, maybe put all of our errands together in one day instead of making multiple trips. Let's look at some ride share or, um, um, you know, using some different apps to at least earn some cash back on fuel prices. So there are some ways to cut fuel costs. That's one area that that I would look at. Um, phone costs are, you know, and I'm curious about this, Nino. It says phone for $600 a month. Um, would you mind sharing is that one phone is it a plan for all four of them do they are they making payments on phones on that plan what's going on there
1: yep and so uh, very good question because it was one of mine as well you know what is going on with the, the phone bill at $600 a month and so it is four lines it's uh, four devices that are still being paid for plus additional devices de- excuse me devices so not just the four phones, but then other mobile devices like an iPad or, uh, that sort of thing. So many, I think they had six devices. Um, we still have to dig into which ones have payments and how many payments are left on those to try to determine what are you actually paying for service and what are you paying for, uh, monthly device, um, payments.
0: Yeah, and that's, you know, that's something I see quite a bit is, um, and this is, I'm just going to be real, 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 real here with phones. Guys, you don't need brand new phones. And I frankly believe that there is absolutely no reason why anybody should be making monthly payments on a phone. Just throwing that out there that it, I feel like it's such a waste of money There are apps out there. There are places that you can go that you can get really good phones that are brand new or have been refurbished in really great condition that you can pay cash for that are significantly less expensive than purchasing phones, the brand new $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 phones and making payments on them each month. Frankly, I think that that is a huge waste of money that that's a soapbox that I'm going to get on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I just, so th- there that would be an area I would look at, can they return those phones? And can we maybe purchase something outright? Again, you know, you said how much it is actually owed? You know, can we um, look at just paying some of those phones off? You know, so we're looking at just what the normal monthly bill for service would be and not the additional phone costs on there, but that's for anybody listening. Um, you know, those costs add up when you're looking and they pitch, they pitch the phones. It's like, Oh, it's only $12 a month or only $15 a month. Yeah. Well, you're, if you're doing that on, you know, two, four, six devices, that really adds up. It really adds up.
1: And I'm going to get up on that soapbox with you for just a moment. (laughs) And I'm going to say the same thing. I'm going to say it a little bit differently. As consumers, once the, the uh, cell phone companies realized that we were willing to pay payments on phones, all of a sudden, the iPhone, which hit the market in you know 2008 and was like $300, is now $1,300. Do you think that the technology has really, truly improved by $1,000 in, in the device? Or is it that they realize, wait a minute, we don't have to ask people to buy this thing outright for three hundred dollars. If we just put them on thirty dollars a month for two years, then we can make six or seven hundred dollars on the phone. And once they realize that they can make six or seven hundred dollars on the phone, they realize that they can make a thousand and twelve hundred. And so, as consumers, by saying yes to monthly payments, it's the same thing with automobiles. I mean, I I don't want to go into the way, way back machine, but I mean, in 1950, you could not buy a car on credit. And so cars were like $2,000 or $2,500. Now, I, I understand people's income was different back then, too. But as a ratio, as a ratio, I haven't done the math to prepare because I didn't think I was going to talk about this today, but I will do the math and prepare for next time. I can almost guarantee that the ratio of income to average car amount is significantly different today than it is back then because of payments. So as soon as we say yes to payments, we can see a a dramatic increase in overall cost of goods because we have accepted the $30 a month or the $50 a month.
0: Yes, I will sit and agree with that all day long.
1: (laughs) Yep. All right. We'll get off our soapbox about paying <laughs> payments on phones and and we'll move on, I suppose.
0: Right. And you know, and this isn't I don't say any of this to make anybody feel bad, but I really do say it because this is an area that people waste. I believe it's a waste of money. And most of the time when you talk to people, they too think it's a waste of money, but they didn't know that there were other options or they haven't taken the time to plan out different options. And so this isn't to shame. This is to educate and to bring forth, hey. Let's look at doing it maybe a little bit differently going forward, right? Agreed. And, you know, and I want to jump forward just a second here because I just want to say on this, these changes that I want to go through from their, um, numbers that I put down, you know, they were over budget by about $28 a month. With these changes I've made, they now have a surplus of $52 a month. We did not increase income at all. I kept the same income, but I did make some adjustments to their spending. And what I really want to point out is that now they're, um, with these adjustments that I made, they're now able to put $200 a month towards that purchase of a home. Um, And so what I really like to show people is with making some adjustments, oftentimes, and I'm going to go back to saying, we feel like we are missing out on things. We're feeling like we are, you know, not able to do what we really want to do. With a few adjustments, um, and I think that people are spending in areas that don't bring value to them, right? Um, Really don't bring a lot of value and they're not working towards their goals, right? Because it's just the essentials. They're not doing anything that feels really good. With these few adjustments that I've made, um, you know, fuel being one of them, um, internet and cable is another one. You know, originally they were spending about $400 a month for their internet and cable bill. You know, to each their own on this. However, is anybody really watching 500 channels on some of those big cable bills? Probably not. There are a lot of other options now. Um, I reduce that down to two hundred dollars a month. I really believe that you can get good internet and maybe some cable service that provides some local channels or some of the things. Right for two hundred dollars a month, you could probably even go a little bit less than that. I want to be you know realistic here as well. Um, so I dropped that. Those I think were the only two areas of adjustment but then that allows them to be putting $200 a month towards a home purchase, right? So reaching that goal of purchasing a home in 18 months. Now, if they increased income, I really believe that an increase in income here would do them a world of good. I would love to see them getting that credit card paid off. Um, And you know, that car payment, I'd make some suggestions with this car payment as well. You know, $570 a month for car payment. That's a lot of, um, that's a lot of outgoing money a month. Right. And, and so maybe there's some options for, um, you know, doing something different with that vehicle, selling it, um, you know, paying the difference, getting a loan for the difference and purchasing something where your, your payment isn't as much each month so you can free up some cash. Um, you know, just a lot of people don't like doing it, but I'm going to throw out all the options here. And at $570 a month for a car payment, that's significant. And that would go a long ways. Number one, towards reducing the debt, right? Your liability, but also being able to purchase a home a little bit quicker. One thing also that I'll throw in here Nino is that um you didn't mention do they have any kind of a piece of mind fund is there anything going towards you know kind of a savings
1: um peace of mind
0: fund account no. nothing mm-hmm. and you know since that's the case and I might um you know I might change this home purchase um and I might put $50 towards that And I might put the peace of mind fund in here at $150 a month. Hmm. So they're increasing some savings. People are going to tell me, Sarah, you can't buy a home if you're only saving $50 a month for a home purchase. Probably true for right now. But what this does is... You know, mentally, psychologically, when you are putting something effort towards that goal, even if it's $5 a month, you instantly start to believe like, dang, I'm working on it. Like I'm Mm -hmm. actually working towards it, right? It's not necessarily the amount. It's the action that you're taking towards that goal. And so this is a huge difference, I believe, towards being able to purchase a home in 18 months. So increased income. Decrease some of their expenses, like we talked about. Um, I would say both. Um, if they chose to do neither, I don't really see a home purchase coming into their future.
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of points that I want to hit on that you made and and, and kind of reinforce. First and foremost, can I just say kudos on finding them uh, a way out of the de- deficit into a surplus that included savings? Right, so that mm-hmm. surplus actually includes some savings that is not currently happening. So just Mm -hmm. wanted to say, like, that's the, you know, it's not that we went from a $28 uh, deficit to a $52 surplus. Ooh, you saved me $70. Like, no, we found a way to also put away $200 a month at the same time. Right. I think it's also important for our listeners and our viewers to know that this is just the starting point, right? So this is a client I've actually onboarded very recently. And so the process is only just begun. And to your point, like you didn't necessarily know that, but you had to have a starting point somewhere as well. And that's just where we begin. Now to your point about it doesn't matter much how much you save. It's the fact that you are saving. You're absolutely right. This is about building habits. And the habit of saving requires that you actually do it, whether that's $5, whether it's $50, whether it's $150, or if your budget can handle more, great. But it's that actual, you're building up that habit and you're building up that muscle memory. You know, if somebody were going on a weight loss journey, or maybe somebody was like, hey, I want to start uh, preparing myself for a marathon thirteen miles, well you don't run seven miles on day one to prepare for the thirteen maybe you run a mile maybe you don 't even run that far. you run how much however far you can to start to build the habit of getting your body prepared so it 's the same thing with your money as you you have these goals, you start to make adjustments you start to do and behave differently with money so that you can build up that habit, build up that muscle memory, so that when it becomes time, like, okay, $50 is not going to get us there. But now that I'm behaving differently with my money, and I freed up another $100 a month, I now have that habit of saving. And so it's going to be easier to add to the $50 in, in savings Because you've built up the habit to go from zero to 60 to go from, you know, I don't have enough to save now. So I'm not going to save now to now I have $300 and think that all of a sudden you're going to save the $300 is a fallacy. You, that is not an easy leap to make, but if you've started with 50 and then you have 300 to say, you know what? I want to, I want to save at least 150 of that. Like your mind is going to shift to how much of it can I save? And if you can save the whole 300 you will, but if you can't you you're going to work really diligently at saving as much of it as you can. So it's it's a mental thing, it's a habit thing, it's a we got to build it up.
0: Mhm. I love that. And you know <clears throat> there's an analogy that came to mind when you were going through that. And I'm sure if anybody's on social media or been around for any amount of time, you've seen this, but it it shows a picture of somebody that's walking you know, sweating, pouring and feeling kind of down, like, oh, I'm not moving as fast. But what they're doing is they're walking in front of somebody that's sitting on a couch, right? And hmm. it, you are going farther than the person that's just sitting on the couch, right? You are, And and I think that that's what comes to mind here is that it's about getting up and doing it, whether it's $5. And we say this, when you manage, when you learn how to manage $10,000 a year, when you start making $100,000 a year, you're going to have those Um, habits in place, right? And the disciplines in place. It doesn't matter the amount. It's the habits and the discipline and the the choices that you're willing to make, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's slow, right? Nobody said any of this needed to be fast. And I'm going to throw out one quick thing here because this is another kind of a little soapbox issue that I have. If you guys are listening to a, a lot of the financial gurus out on in the world, right? They talk about and have these people sharing, you know, oh, I paid off $400,000 of debt in 60 days or, you know, these crazy things, right? And we're like, oh, that I could never do that. Here's the thing. My husband and I have been on our journey for 19 years, really about 17 years of being married, right? It took us 12 years to become fully debt-free. And that was the second time. We became debt-free once and then went back into debt. 12 years it took us to develop the habits and the skills to be debt-free forever. Mm -hmm. Right? So I just want to throw this out there. So even if you're putting $50 into your savings account, is it going to be slow? Yes. Are you making progress that way? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You're making $5 more progress than you were by not doing it beforehand. Right? And so... Um, it's really the action.
1: Yeah, it really is all about the action itself. Um, a little less about the money, but when you, like you said, when you start to manage, uh, small sums of money, well, you will then all of a sudden see yourself managing large, larger sums of money. Well, and then there becomes the difference. All right. So. Thank you for uh sharing with us what uh what you saw with this client. Um I'm now going to kind of share where we are and again this client has just recently onboarded so we are not too far far down uh the path but um we saw some of the same things um and so uh I want to highlight a couple of uh steps along the process for our listeners and our viewers to to help them understand you know what is it that uh Like, how do we even get here? What's the process? And so let me share my screen. All right. So first and foremost, I want to highlight the fact that, um, you know, Sarah has a a spreadsheet she uses. I have a spreadsheet that I use. And both of us would tell you that the the budget worksheet that you should use is the one that works for you. So whether that is you're writing it down on a piece of paper and tracking it, you know, uh, pen and paper, whether you have a fancy spreadsheet or you're using an app, it doesn't much matter, but use the one that's going to actually work for you and, and, and that you actually use. And so, um, First, we look at the, the month as a whole. And so we look at the monthly expenses, but then uh, this is not yet filled out, but then it's you got to break down your monthly expenses into pay periods. And so tracking when the money's coming in and when that money goes out is going to be really important. So no matter how you're tracking it, I would encourage every one of our listeners, every one of our viewers to be tracking down to the pay period so that you know that in this pay period, here's what I got coming in. And in this particular pay period, here's what I have going out. So then we list things kind of income first and then expenses. Excuse me. Time marker 28. I'm going to want Mike to get rid of the clearing of the throat. I think that's the last time. All right, so we list things, uh, list income first, and then we list expenses. And at New Money Habits, we like to teach, like, list your expenses in the order of their priority. So we have things like putting food on the table at the top, keeping a roof over your head at the top, because these things are important. Some of these expenses you're kind of locked into at least for a season. So there's not much we can do about the rent or mortgage until the lease become the lease comes up and maybe there's an opportunity to move and, and do something uh, less expensive. As for this particular client, their goal is to buy a house. And so their housing expense will probably actually increase, but it at least it'll increase into something that is um, kind of forced savings for them. Something that is, um, appreciating in value. It becomes an asset instead of uh, just paying rent. Although there's nothing wrong with paying rent. It's just that their goal is that. Uh, I want to circle back to the food category for just a second. This is an area where I feel like many, many clients uh, under budget, they're like, hey, I have a family of eight and I'm going to feed that family for $200 a month. It's like, Be more realistic, right? And so (laughs) I like to use uh, ranges with with clients, to at least to get them started when they're like, I don't know how much I'm supposed to spend on food every month. There's no right or wrong answer. But if you're looking for some guidelines, if you're looking for some guardrails just to say like, hey, I, I want something that feels like I'm not going crazy, but at the same time, I'm budgeting enough to feed my family. We, uh, I usually sit down with clients and say, the range is somewhere between $250 and $300 per person in the household. This We did $200 with this client. So it goes 200 times four, became $800. But usually what I do is I ask questions like, how often are you going to the grocery store? How much do you typically spend when you go? To get a sense of what is the current habit As we explore that current habit, and then we talk about these guardrails about, you know, maybe doing $250 to $300 per person per month, we start to talk about, like, if that's a significant change, how can we start to make that change? So, with a different client, not this one, it was that for that particular client, they had to, it was a must that they go to the cash envelope system because it was the only way they were going to start to control their overspending. Their words, not mine. They were like, we spend way too much on groceries. Help us to not spend as much on groceries. Let's implement the cash envelope system because it is impossible to overspend when you go with cash and you don't take a card to back you up. You can't overspend. It's just, not physically possible. So I kind of wanted to pause there for a second, Sarah, because I know that you have ways about going through the that keeping food on the table uh, category and groceries. Uh, anything you do differently, or
0: yeah, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit. You know, I don't necessarily give a, a, a dollar amount range, but I I definitely when clients are like, hey how much I'm spending. I don't like it. I'm spending way too much. You know, then I start asking other questions like, are you going with a list? How often are you going to the grocery store? Are you taking the kids with you? Right? Like there's a lot of questions that I ask. Um, you know, how far out are you planning meals? You know, and, and some of this, you know, I get a lot of pushback, not going to lie, get a lot of pushback. Well, I don't have time. Well, it's not that they don't have time. It's that they don't have a process down, Hmm. right? And so spending money on food and groceries, I think is very personal. The amount of money that you spend can be very personal, depending on your dietary needs and what's important to you. But for most people that I talk with, they get very frustrated with the amount of money that they're spending on groceries. And so this is an area that I think, frankly, can be fairly easy to make some adjustments in with the right steps and the right process in place. And so um, I I go through a series of questions, you know, some of those that I just mentioned and really help people implement like, okay, I'm only going to go to the grocery store once a month, right? Which is possible to do in today's day and age. It really is. I... I do it when possible. So I know it's, I know that you can do it, right? Um, or I'm only going to go to the grocery store once a week or, um, you know, just talking about other ways to save money. And what I find, Nino, you know, the biggest thing that is helpful is that I have them actually track the exact amount that they are spending because mm. so often people don't know. It feels like a lot a lot is relative, but it feels like a lot to them. But until you actually track it and you actually know the exact dollar amount, sometimes people are like, yeah, it feels like a lot. And we're looking I'm like, yeah, you know, a lot's a relative term. However, I don't think that you could actually cut much more out of this, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe you, you're spending it differently at the grocery store, right? and this goes back to the you know how i talk about money in general and our values and are you spending it on things that you feel are crap or do you want to spend it on good quality food right so it might mm-hmm. be an adjustment of how those dollars are being spent but that's how I, how i do it is more questions more values not necessarily a dollar range but i like that dollar range too because it gives people an idea right and sometimes mm-hmm. we need that just to start like oh yeah that gives me some framework now going forward. So I like that.
1: yeah, it, it just sometimes clients are looking to us for like what's too much, what's not enough, that that sort of thing, or like what's normal, right? And normal is a very relative term as well. And so um you know, just being able to facilitate that conversation around you know, what are you currently doing? And how do you feel about what you're currently doing? Too much, too little, that sort of thing. And then when they're like, I have no idea, by giving basically a litmus test of here's what you're doing versus what I, the range. And then people are like, oh. Well, I'm well within that range, and that makes sense. And and it it alleviates some guilt sometimes that I think people have when um, dealing with groceries. Putting food on the table is such an interesting category for so Mm -hmm. many clients. Um, One of the things that moving on to uh, some of these other expenses, and and, and again, kind of going in in order of priority, once you're keeping a roof over your head, you also have to keep the lights and the water running. And when I saw uh, the electric bill, This is one of the things that just prompted conversation. $600 a month. I know we live in Arizona. I know we're just coming out of the the summer months, but this seemed really, really high. Uh, Considering that um, I have clients who are on budget billing, that is a fraction of this year round. It was, hey, let's look at usage. Let's look at plan that you're on. Let's look and see if there's just anything we can do about the electricity. Um, out here in Arizona, this, this particular client is local out here in Arizona. There are multiple different plans that the electric, the electric company offers. And so it's like, Hey, maybe just switching plans leads to large amounts of savings. Maybe going to budget billing helps to at least, uh, level out the cost of electricity throughout the year. So there, there are things we're, we're researching there, uh, as we, uh, get started. You know, the car payment also sent up a red flag for me. But when you are rolling over thousands of dollars of negative equity into another purchase and and you don't have great credit, you're getting hit with, you know, you're you're financing a lot at a high interest rate. And so it's almost a stuck position. We are exploring different things that we might be able to do that there, but this is a family of four adults who share one vehicle and so if they're sharing the cost of that vehicle as well um, even though the income is shared and then the expenses are shared and we still are seeing a deficit it's it's this is one of those areas that it's, might be really really challenging to find a way out of but It doesn't mean we're not looking um same thing with other car related expenses like insurance and gasoline but sarah you were going to say something
0: I was just gonna say, you know, I mean, that's a good point. And I think it's really what you and I do very well is just throwing out the options again, because I think sometimes people don't recognize that there are other options. It feels like we're really stuck. There might not be a better option, but there are still options. And I think just taking the time to explore everything Mm -hmm. is worthwhile, because something might come up, right? Something might click, something might be like, Oh, you know what? here's maybe something that we could do besides, or, you know, it's just, I think it's about challenging our perception of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it doesn't mean that you switch everything. It doesn't mean that you take every new option and implement it. It means that you go through them to see what might be the best fit for you. And maybe what you're currently doing is the best fit, but we want to just explore all the options.
1: Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so the same thing came up with, uh, the phone, the, the, uh, Mobile plan, $600. Um, I want to be real, real, um, honest and open about like, I know we both got up on our soapbox about phones and, and, and paying a monthly fee for a phone. At the end of the day, this is a judgment free zone. I don't really care how you spend your money. It's just when we are looking for areas that we can make changes and change habits and we don't have to just mindlessly follow. The culture, this is one of those areas where it's really easy. It's really easy to get caught up in the culture and find yourself overspending in a category that as you look back on it, you're like, I I have not met a client yet who tells me that they have these high cell phone bills and they're like cool with it. They're, every single client is like, I cannot believe I spend this much On my phone bill what can i do differently and so we talk about how this is one of those areas where we get swept up in the culture of i need the latest gadget and i'm cool with paying uh monthly there's no judgment if you decide like nope this is what i'm going to do but when i have clients coming to me frustrated with their phone bills it's easy to start to identify like, well, let's do things differently in this category. Let's not get the latest device. Let's not pay monthly payments on a device. Let's do these things. And all of a sudden you go from paying, I've seen 200, 300, $600 a month down to 120. And I still think I pay $117 a month and it drives me crazy, but that's, that is legitimately just for the service of three phones. None of the phones are financed. They're all paid off. And it's just the actual service. And I'm still like, that's a lot of money. I don't like it. Because I see these commercials for... And maybe that's the other thing. Maybe we need to get away from the big carriers and go to the smaller carriers. Because when I see visible is $25 a month, I'm like, hmm. 25 times 3 is $75, not 117. But I'm just a big math nerd. And I'm always you know calculating the numbers and just looking for ways i'm a i'm not as frugal as some people i know but i'm pretty frugal
0: (laughs) well i think it's good to be frugal in areas that still bring value you know let's let's be honest in today's day and age having a cell phone arguably a necessity right Mm -hmm. i mean arguably do young kids need them probably not but us adults you know and I go through the same thing you know you know I look at what we pay I'm very um frustrated as well um I've looked at our options I think we pay about 175 for mm. four phones and then I do have my mobile internet that mm. provides internet services we travel now my bill might go up and down based on the usage of that but it's about 185 and I'm just like Dang, this is a lot of money for what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. However, that's what works for us right now. Um, but I think it's just it goes back to again looking at your other options. We too have looked at different carriers, and I suggest I've got I've had a lot of clients that do switch carriers. That's not an option for us, not one that would work because we do travel so much mm-hmm. and and we need we do need something that works in the majority of areas and let's just be honest some of the bigger named carriers are more reliable than than even yeah. though they work off the same towers I don't need to get into it mm-hmm. but I like how you really are going through all of this with your clients right and and just looking at different options and and this is a judgment free zone we're not here to judge. Um, but when clients are coming to us, as you said, saying, Hey, I'm frustrated with groceries. I'm frustrated with my cell phone bill. I'm frustrated with the amount of fuel, you know, gasoline and diesel that we're spending. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Like, thank you for sharing that. Now let's look at ways that you can reduce that, right? Let's look at ways that you can make adjustments in those areas.
1: Yeah. And so, um, just a couple of other Categories. So when we got or specifically the debt category, so when we got down to the debt category, it's uh, we're going to do an analysis here uh, on the student loans um, and see if uh, this particular client is eligible for some forgiveness. Uh, They work in an industry that uh, may lead to that. And so, you know, it's like I said, this is just the beginning, just kind of onboarding. But we're kind of going through each of these categories and figuring out how do we reduce expenses. The other thing is how do we increase income? Uh, I think you said it earlier. It would be nice to see uh, more income. You know, part of that is um, whether that's a side hustle or taking on just a different job, or even if it means the kids contributing a little bit more, because the income that the kids are contributing is just kind of what's set. By the parents in this particular scenario. And so, um, you know, depending on consumption of things like food, right? Are there monthly contributions? Right now it includes food. So one of the conversations is, should it include food or do they need to be buying their food on their own to help reduce some of the, the costs there? Or do they just need to be contributing more? But let's, so the beginning for every client is essentially the same. We have to get things down on paper, the income minus the expenses, so that we know whether or not we're dealing with a surplus or a deficit. Once we know we're dealing with a surplus or a deficit, it's how do we manage that? So how do we drive the income up? How do we drive the expenses down so that we're we're growing and growing that surplus so that we can then reallocate dollars, right? Even if nothing else changes on the income side, if we drive expenses down, like your illustration showed earlier, Sarah, you reallocate those dollars. Now that you have a surplus, you can then save towards the goal of buying a house, start the peace of mind fund, those types of things. And so really, it's income minus expenses. Are you working with a surplus? Are you working with a deficit? How do we... um Increase the income. How do we reduce the expenses? And in this case, because of the home buying too, it's how do we repair credit to get you guys into a place, into um, a, a situation where you can get approved for mortgage? And so we're working on that as well. So it's just the beginning. There's a lot of work to do. Um, but this is, this is just a little bit of an illustration of how it is that we work with clients, um, how we go through the process. And a lot of times, uh, I'll tell you, even though this this particular client was running a deficit of $28, once we had everything on uh, on paper, the entire family was amazed that their situation is not nearly as bad as they had drummed it up in their head. In their head, it was much worse than this but once we got it down on paper they, there was a, a sense of a little bit of a relief like okay we can do some things here that there are actions we can take there is moves we can make and we are going to gain control of our finances
0: hmm. so two points i want to want to share the first one being I love that. Right. That's hope. That's real change for the outlook on the, the situation. And when we find ourselves feeling like it, I think it always feels worse than it really is. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we find ourselves in that situation, it's hard to see the hope. Um, and it's hard to see, you know, some, some options. And so I really love that you have completely injected hope in them that you are um, creating that pathway for them to see a different vision for their future. Right. Like that's, that's amazing. And I think that as coaches, certainly what I love to do, what you love to do, that's really where it's at, right? It's, it's numbers for me are a small part of it, but it's really changing that hope and changing their vision and what they see that, that they can accomplish. The second thing that I really want to hit home with too, is you can only decrease your expenses so much. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that there are areas to decrease. But what I find is if we focus on saving, saving, saving in a way that like decrease, 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 that really can put us into scarcity, lack, um, you know, mindsets that 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 can be negative. Right. And so increasing your income is limitless. There are no limits on the amount of income that you can make. Mm hmm. You you set that limit on yourself of what you believe you can do. But I always like to focus on, you know, I want you to do both. I don't necessarily want people to decrease their expenses. I want them to decrease spending money in areas that don't feel right for them. Mm-hmm. Right? That way we can reallocate them. And I think that's what you're saying as well. But I just want to share that mm-hmm. with people that it's not, you can only cut expenses so much. I don't like to focus on cut, decrease you know, all of that, because again, those are negative, it's negative energy. And, you know, it puts us into this, oh, I can't do this and I can't, right? So how can we limit or reduce the spending that happens in areas that aren't bringing value to our life that are not putting us in the pathway to reach those goals that we set? And then how can we move that money and spend more in the areas, right, that allow us to get there? But increasing your income is limitless. And if I I'll just say if anybody takes anything from anything that I say, please remember that your opportunity for increasing your income is absolutely limitless. You can make as much money as you absolutely desire. It just takes the work and the drive and the dedication to make it happen.
1: That's right. That's right. Oh, well, what a great conversation. Um, I really appreciate uh, just... Kind of taking this case study and and looking at it from both of our perspectives, uh, seeing where those similarities are, seeing where some of those differences lie. Um, And I just want to call our listeners and our viewers to action uh, like I always do. So if you're ready to take Your financial growth to the next level. Schedule a free discovery call with Sarah or myself today. During your personalized session, we will discuss your specific financial goals. We'll gain clarity on your challenges and explore how working with a financial coach can accelerate your progress. I think we did a pretty decent job today of showing you how we get started. So don't miss out on this valuable opportunity. Book your free discovery call now to create the new money habits needed to achieve financial freedom great conversation as always. Sarah, thank you for um, your perspective on it. And we will continue our conversation next time.
0: Bye for now, friends. Thank you for listening to the New Money Habits podcast brought to you by New Money Habits and Keeping Up with the Joneses Financial Coaching. Submit your questions to our host by emailing podcast at newmoneyhabits.com. Be sure to subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Join our growing group of like-minded people on Facebook and follow us on your favorite platform. Music provided by Summer School.